Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, I said I'd do a few uh, talks, podcasts, short ones on things to say at the Seder, a couple ideas of mine. So I sent one out the other day, I'll send one out now. I was talking the other time, if you have to be interested in it. Uh, I send it out about the threes, the tripartite division. Moshe Rabbeinu, at the very beginning of the first Passover, tells the Jews in three groups to do the Krum Pesach. I mean, in the original Pesach. And in the Beis Amigdash, as we all know, Pesach Nishchat Shalosh Kitos, they used to always have a tripartite division of the people into three parts. And what I asserted was that, the best I can figure out, the, the three parts of the three sons who left. Because when the Jews left Egypt, uh, they weren't all heroes. Uh, some were Chachams, some were Russia, uh, some were, excuse me, some were Chachams, some were Toms, and some were Ainid Elishals. Spoke at it last time. The Roshim didn't leave. The Roshim, uh, that's the definition of Russia, wouldn't leave. And so they perished in the plague of darkness, as we know. So there's three groups of uh, Jews who left uh, Egypt. Uh, the other Roshim popped up later in Jewish history. Now, uh, I just want to call attention to two very interesting threes. There are many, there are many. I'm just doing a short podcast here. One is, at the very beginning of this, go back to the Brisbane of Basarim. Um, when God foretells to Avram Avinu the future exile and, and slavery in Egypt and the liberation. And he says, Kechali Egl Mishaleshes, how's it go? Be'ez Mishaleshes, Vaya Mishalosh, Beserva Gozol. Right? You know, a, 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 a sheep, a ram, Egla, a calf, Mishaleshes. And also uh, two birds. Why three animals? Why not four? The three animals obviously correspond. This is a foretelling that uh, the wise will leave Egypt, the simple will leave Egypt, even the dumb will leave Egypt, but the wicked will not leave Egypt. Uh, the Egla and the Ace and the Isle, that's the three that will leave Egypt. So you see the, the power of the three. And, re, and later on, as I say, it appears in the in the ritual with the, with the, with the Pesach always being done in in three groups. What about the two birds? Ah, that's a good question. They're for the converts. <laughs> because pigeons and doves, Torba Gozol, are exactly the carbon that's brought by a gear upon converting. Is that not true? And so you see, there will be actually four that will leave uh, Egypt in the sense of the three sets of Jews. And the heir of Rabbah, I'm talking about the good ones, the Gear Tzedeks. I'll just give you one example. Moshe's mother, uh, Basparo. Uh, those are the four, if you want to look at it that way, that will leave Egypt. Uh, there is no fourth, and and they're the converts, the genuine converts, the Gerzedics. There's no fourth animal, because they're shown we're not destined to leave. And it, I remind you, at this occasion, that's when Hashem said, This is exactly where was foretold the future story of Pesach. And it's in a three.
I'll tell you another three. Uh, again, it's the wise son, the simple son, and the dumb one, the Andy Delisho. Uh, if you look at the Magid, there are actually three versions of the Magid that we recite, A, B, and C. The first version, and many know this from the Gemara, is from Shmuel, who says that the recounting of the story at the Seder night is quite short. You do Avonim Ayinu, and a little bit more, and then you're done. Am I not right? You say, Manishtan Alayluzem, we call Alayluz, you ask a couple of questions, and the answer is given in a very short and simple form. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, God took us out, we're grateful, that's why we're here tonight, Gamarnu. Uh, you know, I know they add a little bit about my, that the, the rabbi sat up all night in B'nai Brog and a little bit more than that about the four sons. And then it's over. If that was the whole Magid, which, according to Shmuel, it is, a lot of people would be happy to type to like the fresh on the Seder because they get to the food right away. However, that short version of the story is rather shallow and rather superficial. And it does not satisfy the wise son, the Chacham. How did you get to Egypt in the first place? Where does Paro enter the picture? Why were we slaves? What did we do wrong that the Egyptians should make us slaves? For a person like that, you need a historical explanation. A historical explanation means you got to go back to the beginning. This is a story that goes back to deep problems within the Jewish character. Terach and Avram. And then... As we know, you end up with Yitzhak and Yaakov, and Yaakov messed up with Lovon, you know, Arami Avidavi, Vayerd Mitzrayimah. That's a very short version. They skip over in the Haggadah, when even discussing for the wise son, the story of the sale of Joseph, because that's a big embarrassment. And we don't want to mention that on the Seder night. Uh, and so you just cut right to the, you, you sort of leave that out, and you say, Arami Avidavi, Vayerd Mitzrayimah. And that's how we got to Egypt. And once we were in Egypt, we prospered. We got too big for our pants. And then the Jews became, you know, too much of a threat. And then Hovindus Chaknelo. And the whole story is then told. Uh, how the Egyptians demonized us by Yerayu And then they uh, t- uh, tortured us. And the Gansa business. So in other words, that's a version of the story. That's Rav, not Shemuel. That's why I just told you it's Rav. And Rav said like this. Uh, for Chacham, you got to give a deeper explanation. You see yeah, you have to give historical causality, as we say today. Uh, this started from what? And where did that come from? And where did that come from? you got to go back to the beginning. But then we have the dumb son, the Eno de Elisho. And for him, you're not going to give a whole long disposition, starting with Mechilo de Baruzariah And to be perfectly honest, Avonimil Lafar Mitzrayim, and Ilo Avde Avzeno, Mishubarimil Lafar Mitzrayim, Kulonu Chachamim, that don't mean nothing to him. You're dealing with any day Elisho. And so we have the third version of the Haggadah. Can you guess what is the third independent version of the Haggadah? It's Rabbi Gamaliel. He says, whoever doesn't say these three things, Pesach Matzamar, is not Yotzei Dechavasa, it's not Yotzei. But if you do say those three things, and only those three things, you are Yotzei. So all you have to do is say, look here, tonight we have a ceremony where the Torah says you got to eat Pesach Matzamar, Pesach Alshom this, you know, because they passed over the houses, and matzah because we left quickly, and the mara because it was bitter, and now you can go and eat. All you need to know is the three basics, because that's what it boils down to. So the first version is for the tom, that's uh, avadim The second version is for the chacham, it's chilu 
In the third version of the story, in first day new daily show, once again you see a tripartite uh, division of the story. Could be, for all I know, that when they went to the base of Mesh in three groups, the first group you know came <laughs> this type, the second group came that type, and the third group came the one form. Okay, no, it's on stop. It's not true. It's on stop. All right, let me pick up from here. And uh, I'll add one more piece here. Well, I can <laughs> interrupt it. The, um, I think we all know the famous debate. Whether you have to, to use American language. Do you have to finish by midnight? Do you have to eat after coming by midnight or not? Uh, which is based on the fact that what was the with the carbon paste? Do you have to finish it by midnight or not? And one Mondamer of Lazarus right? He says, "Yeah, I got to finish by midnight." Afterwards, there's no sir. And Rabbi Kiva and the others say, "No, you got to till the morning." And there's a lot of debate back and forth who didn't follow. So I won't get into that right now. But it's an extremely interesting uh, thing to consider in the spirit of what happened at the original Pesach. After all, there's a big rule: Chayavonim Lerses Asro. You got to go back and try to understand or imagine what it was like at the first Passover. And so, one of them says that the carbon paste was eaten until midnight. And the other one says it was eaten all the way till the morning. Think about the implications of that. The Makas Bechorus was at midnight. According to one who says that you had to eat the carbon paste before midnight, the Jewish people were required on the original Pesach to eat everything before they knew for sure that the thing was going to work out. Because after midnight, as soon as the firstborn were killed, Paro buckled, didn't he? And Paro got up in the middle of the night, we all know the story, and he ran to motion and says, get out of here with my blessing, go, 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 and take whatever you want, and so on and so forth. So it wasn't anything heroic after midnight to go and perform the Passover ritual. But it was heroic and a sign of faith if you ate it prior to that. And so, look at this. It's not just a machlogus, what happened historically, but it goes back to what I'd mentioned the other day. Was the Pesach something that was required that everybody has to be a hero? Uh, if that's so, probably, I don't know if everybody would have done it. Consider, if this prediction about the Makas Bagheras coming at midnight doesn't work out, the Jews could be in big trouble. The Egyptians will come and kill them. Now, there were those, of course, who did eat it before then. But I'll bet you there were plenty who did not. Or maybe I'm wrong. There's your debate between Blazar and Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva said you could eat all night. So what does that mean? The Hasidim, the Stark, the real Maminim, they said we're going to eat it now. And, we have, and, and therefore Pesach to them was, was a test of faith. They're the type of people who put the blood on the outside where everybody could see it. We are putting ourselves in line what we call Mesiris Nefesh. We don't care. We have enough faith the God will see this through, and here we are. If it doesn't work, we're, we're, ready, we're ready to pay with our lives. But then there's the rest of the people out there. And they said, listen, you got all night. Wait till midnight. If it works out, then the Egyptians will probably surrender. And so if I do my carbon base at 2 in the morning, I'll be safe, or I won't do it. Meaning, if there's no Makis Bechoros, <laughs> don't blame me. I didn't do it. If there is a Makis Bechoros, 
and the Egyptians are all panicking and surrendering, I can eat their God in the middle of Times Square and they're not going to do anything about it. They were, he ain't buys a change on mace. You know the story. And so it turns out that this debate, this machlokas, between the two sides of whether the Afikoman or the Karm Pesach has to be by midnight, is really a, a powerful disagreement over the original Pesach and what was mamish the nature of the original Karm Pesach in terms of eating it. Well, they shechted in the afternoon, but to eat it, roast it and eat it, which is sort of like the ultimate and dissing somebody else's God, especially with Matzah and Mara, my goodness. Uh, if the, Was this a test of faith or uh, or not? Or let's put it this way. Was leeway given to those who were a little more chicken and cowardly? And, uh, you know, next year they'll, they'll, they'll do the carbon base for anybody else. Or was it uh, meant only for the strong, the spiritually strong? It's just very interesting, the preponderance of post-gim, you know, go with the pin you have to finish by midnight. But there are many who do not. And, uh, you know, many sheets like that. And so the debate goes on. I just throw this out for you because I think it's a very fruitful conversation to have at your Seder. I don't know who's at your Seder, obviously. But, you know, if you have adults over there, if you were there, are you the type that would... You know, put the blood on the outside, and would you shake the carbon and eat it prior to twelve o'clock at night, or you'd be one of these people who kind of hedge the bets and say, "Listen, you can also do it at one thirty. You can also do it three in the morning, and then you know you you, you play it safe." I would point out all groups left. You know, saying as Hashem didn't say, according to Rabbi Kiva, only those who ate it before midnight could could leave Mitzrayim. All the didn't left uh, because uh, you know. Ku, all of them are part of the same body. Um, all right, those are just a couple ideas. I don't want to take too much uh, time. And I hope it'll give you something to think about at your Seder. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com support dot rabbi david